Hey, good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Jeff Verkater, and I'm president of Capital Neighborhoods, and I'd like to welcome everyone to uh, tonight's forum on downtown homeless services. Um, there are some additional seats in the side room. If uh, anyone happens to come in late and is looking for a, a seat, feel free to, to filter on over there. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank our, our partner sponsors in this, um, the Marquette Neighborhood Association and the uh, Tenny Lapham Neighborhood Association. Um, Patty Prime is here somewhere, uh, president of TLNA. Thank you, Patty. Um, so the format tonight, we're really honored to have a, a really great panel of speakers. Uh, we have nine downtown homeless services providers here tonight, as well as five elected officials. Um, so the way that we thought we'd proceed is give uh, each of the providers five minutes to kind of talk about the services they provide downtown, any future initiatives that they're working on, and then allow for up to five minutes of Q&A for that uh, particular provider um, before we move on to the next uh, person, just to make sure that we give each person a, a chance to speak and to um, give all of you an opportunity to answer questions. Um, so we have a microphone set up on the side for the Q&A portion um, that I'll move over to once we get started here. So. Um, if you do have a question for any one of our speakers, just uh, step over to that side of the room and, um, and you can ask that as part of the, the Q&A session. Um, before we begin and jump into the providers, I wanted to uh, give an opportunity for a, a special guest of ours, uh, Uli Williams, to uh, say a few words and, and kick us off. He's um, someone who's uh, experienced the homeless services downtown and can offer us a unique perspective. So without further ado, Uli. Um, I still don't know what I'm going to say, but what comes out, comes out. <laughs> um, the homeless services that we have downtown, Bethel, Methodist, um, they do a great job. We need a lot more services down here we need um, <laughs> we need basically jobs for the homeless we need um, the day resource center um, I, I, I started an organization called sanctuary and we're trying to get a 24 7 365 day shelter in the city that and uh, the day resource center cities that have that there Crime rate seems to drop a lot, and I'd like to see that happen in Madison here. Um, we had two different day resource centers. One, the first one, that was basically thrown together, and we had tons of problems. And a lot of things went wrong with that one. And the second one, we had um, Z and Sarah running it, and and that was smooth. I think the Neighborhood Association, which is here somewhere, um, can agree that it was a lot better because they had supportive service for the homeless, which is something that the homeless needs. Um, you can't just put a group of homeless people together and say, hey, this is yours. Get on back on your feet. You need that support. And right now, um, well, we're getting it from Bethel and Methodist, but um, a lot of other places down here, we're not getting it. We need more support. We need jobs for the homeless, and we need something 
to occupy the homeless that's not doing anything. Right now, there's a lot of people have given up on trying to find work, trying to find housing, because they're tired of seeing that door slam constantly in their face. Uh, we need to change that. We need to find a way to find them jobs, find them housing, um, get a support staff backing um, the homeless. Because right now, the, the way it's running right now, we don't have that support. We got it through Bethel and Methodist, and that's pretty much it. We got some outreach workers out there right now that starting to show up. Um, but right now, we need to get that day resource center open, and my group is going to keep pushing for that 24-7 because those are the things we need to have set up in our community to get the homeless off the street and back into jobs, housing, and basically getting their lives back together. And with that, I'm pretty much done. First provider I'd like to um, invite up is uh, Carla Jamison from Porchlight. Hi, my name is Carla Jamison, and I'm the Director of Services for Porchlight. And I have uh, been at Porchlight for 24 years. I started there as an intern 25 years ago at the UW, and so I've been through many of the worked at many of the programs throughout the years. Um, we run several different programs for homeless folks, um, many that are located downtown, several that are, um, that are farther out. Um, one of our programs is called Hospitality House, and that is a, a day center um, out off of Fish Hatchery Road by the Town of Madison Police Department. And that's a, um, a day program. It's Monday through Friday. We're open at weekends um, in the wintertime. And we provide uh, services to anybody who's homeless or low income, singles and families. We help folks look for jobs, for housing. We have some funds for bus tickets, employment um, boots and things like that that they might need. So it's a good um, starting place for somebody who is, is homeless and needs to get connected. Um, from there, we also uh, run an eviction prevention program called DIGS. And what we do is we work with folks who are currently housed, um, but very tenuously housed. Maybe they need just a little bit of money, $50, $100 um, for rent or utilities or their medications or maybe some car repair to get to their job. Um, and then we also require that they match that fund. So if we're able to come up with $100, then they match that $100. And that has been a very successful um, program keeping people housed so they don't have to re-experience homelessness. Um, and that we uh, provide that program at three different locations, at Hospitality House and in Sun Prairie at the Sunshine Supper um, House there, and then at St. John's Church um, on East Washington. We also have a van service, and because Hospitality House is farther away from downtown, we run a van service um, from the drop-in shelter, from the Salvation Army, single women's shelter, out to Hospitality House, and then throughout the day it makes many stops throughout the different um, programs in town for homeless folks, and that is a, a free service. They don't have to pay for any of that. That is um, 
a program that uh, the county funds um, and Porchlight uh, provides the service. We also uh, run the drop-in shelter at Grace Episcopal Church, which many people are familiar with. We just celebrated our 30-year anniversary there with the wonderful support of Grace. Um, and that is the only men's nighttime shelter um, in Madison. So if a homeless man is in need of shelter services, they would need to go to Grace Church. Um, and that's open at 7.30 at night until 8 in the morning. Um, and we provide just a limited amount of services there we have um, an outreach worker that goes into the shelter. Um, we have a medic clinic through the UW that comes every Tuesday. Legal Action of Wisconsin comes and provides some legal services. And the, the vets come and provide some outreach services to the veterans that, that are in need of shelter. Um, and then our, we have additional folks on our outreach team. We have uh, one outreach worker who's exclusively on the streets and working with folks um, up at the city county building who are sleeping there on the front porch. And then we have two outreach workers at the central library downtown. The, the library has been amazing, and they have a room there for social service workers, and we're there every day that the library is open from 10 until 6. So that's a nice downtown location. Um, that the homeless people can, can go to during the day when they're utilizing the library. Um, we also have a program that just celebrated 20 years this summer that many people are not familiar with. It's called Safe Haven, and it's a shelter for homeless folks who have mental health issues. Um, so they need to be homeless, and they need to have a diagnosis of a mental illness. And this is located um, off of Stoughton Road on the, on the east side by Walmart over there, uh, Nukusa Trail. And it is a brand-new building. We just built it two years ago, and um, we have beds for 14 people. And the nice part about Safe Haven is that there's not a time limit. Um, the folks that we serve there need more than the 60 days or 90 days that many of the shelters um, provide. So we let people stay until we connect them to housing and services. And we also have um, drop-in services. So there's the 14 sleeper guests, and then folks who have a mental illness can drop in during the day, get a free meal, bus tickets. Um, there's some lockers to store some things, showers, laundry. Social service staff were there 24-7, and the, the drop-in guests can be there till 8 in the morning until 8 at night every day, and everything is, is free. There's not a charge for any of the services for any of the folks that come there. Um, we also have an employment program um, called Porchlight Products that currently is run out of our Brook Street location, our main administrative offices here. And that is a program um, in which we purchase um, produce and things from local farmers, and then we hire uh, homeless and formerly homeless persons to they make jams and jellies and sauerkraut. I'm sure you've been to many grocery stores or restaurants in town that either sell our products or utilize our products, and it has really um, been an amazing program, not just for um, buying something local and selling it, but for teaching the employment skills um, to the homeless folks. And so we, our exciting news is July 1st, we just purchased a brand-new property um, on the far east side to build a new Porchlight Products location that we will expand it. Um, and we will be providing on-site 25 efficiency apartment units for those who are working there and then for other, other folks too, homeless folks. So we are very excited about that. Big in Denver, we are currently in a capital campaign um, for that big project that's coming up. Um, probably our last thing that we do is housing. 
one of the most important things that we do. Um, we have 320 units of housing throughout Madison and a few in some prairie at 22 different locations, ranging from single rooms, often like the college students do. We have a house. Um, the homeless person rents a room, shares kitchen and bath. Um, we also have some efficiencies in one bedrooms. And then for families, we have two, three, and four bedrooms. Um, the majority of the housing is affordable. It's either 30% of their income um, or, for example, the rooms at Brook Street where our administrative offices are. We have 100 units there. The rooms are approximately $300. Um, so those are, are very affordable. We also have some housing units that have built-in Section 8 vouchers to them, so some of the families also pay 30% of income. Um, and then we do have some four bedrooms that are $850. So those are certainly not market rate in Madison, but they are um, not as affordable. So folks who have Section 8 vouchers um, or who have um, a larger income are able to live in those units. That is all that we do at Porchlight. You are welcome. Or Carla. Okay, thanks again. Oh, sure. Since you said you've been there for 25 years, just yeah. about, I guess I'm wondering if you've seen and what kind of changes you've seen in the problem of people who are homeless over those 25 years. Hmm. Wow, that is a really great question. <laughs> um. I see more folks sleeping on the street than I ever have. Um, throughout the years, I have done many, many speeches in churches or businesses or other kind of groups. Um, and I often talk about what's it like to stay at the drop-in shelter. You know, people wouldn't choose to stay at the drop-in shelter. It's just basic. You get a... A, you know, you sleep in a bunk with a hundred other people, and you, you know, you get a blanket. It's nothing fancy. You stand in line for the three showers and you know a washer and dryer. Um, but you know, we're generally always full. Um, I do. We're not, we have a lot of folks sleeping on the streets, and I don't remember that in the first 15 years of my working for Porch Light. Do I have the reasons for that? Not necessarily, but I think that needs to be where our focus is, helping those folks to get off the streets. I don't think anybody would knowingly say, I want to sleep on the streets if they had a housing opportunity available to them. Um, so I think, I think we as a community have agreed that that's an area we need to focus on. Thanks so much, Carla. Um, next up, we have uh, Karen Potnick from the Salvation Army. Karen. Hi, everybody. I'm Karen. I work at the Salvation Army. I haven't been there as long as Carla has been at Porchlight. Um, great. Something to look forward to and beat that record. Um, anyway, Salvation Army has many programs. Uh, we have the shelter on East Washington Avenue, and we have sh three shelters in the building. We have a family shelter, which we can house 18 families for um, 90 days, and we can also offer extensions for them. Um, we also have the emergency family shelter which is strictly an overnight shelter for families. Um, they can come in, eat dinner, but they have to leave in the morning. And we can take about 20 people a night in that shelter. We also have the single women's shelter, which is also a drop-in shelter, um, just strictly overnight. They can come in at 5, and they have to leave again in the morning. 
Um, the emergency family shelter, some of you may have heard of it as warming house, and single women shelter are the only emergency family and single women shelters in all of Dane County. And we do have limitations. Um, for instance, with um, emergency family shelter, today 59 people had called for 20 spots and we just don't have the room. Um, more shelter, I don't believe, is the answer. We need more affordable housing. But what also what Salvation Army does, it's not just strictly shelter. We have several different programs for people in shelter and for people um, obtaining housing. We have a medic clinic that comes in once a week to see our residents. We also have an amazing medical clinic now with three chairs, volunteer dentists come in to see anyone in our shelter, um, anyone who's homeless or low income. Um, we have housing programs, um, rapid rehousing, housability, um, RISE is a new program where people can receive subsidies for a year or two to help them get stable in their housing. And we also run um, the Holly House, which is a transitional for eight women, and they can stay there for up to two years, and we can sometimes extend that. Um, I really want to commend, you know, my, my coworkers, are, my comrades in arms, because what we do isn't easy work. It's, it's hard to see, and, you know, we see on the news uh, the city-county building or people on the streets, and that's not what we want by any means. If we could take every, everyone in, I'm sure everyone agreed that we definitely would. It's difficult work, and some days I really wonder, what are we doing? You know, it, it's hard not to look at the big picture and try and fix homelessness, but I know I can't today. So there's little things that, that keep us going, knowing that we can help one family or one woman or one gentleman with their child. Um, for instance, today we're handing out backpacks because school is starting soon. So everybody in our shelter um, gets a, all the kids of school age years get a backpack. And they were wearing them and parading them and turning around saying, look what I got. You know, so proud that they have something of their own. And I realized that every one of us up here, that's why we do it. Um, and also with everybody in shelter and in our housing programs, they all receive case management. We can offer some supportive services like bus tickets, um, gas cards, um, case management services to help them find the apartments or the jobs. Um, apartments are so expensive here that it's really difficult. And a lot of people come in without any income or just a very small income, at, you know, receiving Social Security, SSI, or SSDI, and it's not affordable here. Uh, but we try our best, and, you know, we take it one day at a time. And thank you all for coming for your support. Thanks so much, Karen. Um, any questions for Karen? Okay. Um, Um, we've heard about the services that are available. My question is, what's the magnitude of unmet need? How many folks, and I know the, the homeless population is a moving target. Um, so my question is, what's, what's our best estimate of the number of homeless folks in Dane County, and how many are, are truly without shelter most nights? What's, what's our estimate of that? That's really a question. I may defer that to Casey. But when you when you come up, what we do twice a year, we do a point in time um, record, and we count everybody on the street. And off the top of my head, I don't know what that number was. See how we all work together. Um, so as was mentioned, twice a year that there's a a point in time survey done. So on a particular night. Uh, there's a massive effort to go out throughout the county and, and count uh, persons who are homeless, both 
um, sheltered and unsheltered. Um, so those, those numbers, sheltered and unsheltered, have been relatively stable um, at about that 800 uh, person level. Um, the number unsheltered versus the number sheltered, as you might imagine, will, will vary between the two dates. One is in July and one is in January. So um, in January, uh, we, we tend to f find more people in sheltered um, settings and um, in, in July, more people in unsheltered settings. But, but that 800 number, give or take 2550, is, is a number that's uh, held fairly constant over the last uh, five years or more. Thank you. Well, I just want to say that I think everyone, even HUD, who requires us to do that count, recognizes that it's a significant undercount because people don't want to be counted and try to make themselves um, invisible because where they're sleeping is illegal. So what we do know from the housing needs assessment in Dane County is that there are tens of thousands, in the range of, I think, 36,000 um, households that are housing insecure, which means they don't have housing or they could be homeless very soon because they're paying so much of their income towards rent. So while that's a count of just people on the street, the account that that's not um, counting all the people that are doubled up on couches of friends and family members or who, who you know, just can't be counted because, you know, the, the method of the count is such that it, it just can't be thorough in terms of the number of folks who are homeless. Okay, thanks so much, Karen. Uh, next up, um, Connor Wild from Bethel. Hi, everyone. My name's uh, Connor Wild. I'm the coordinator of Bethel Homeless Support Services. I do want to give an acknowledgement to Mark Wilson, our director in the crowd, and Beth Tom, who's our, our board of uh, executive board of directors and uh, longtime volunteers. So, um, um, for us, it's as simple as a cup, cup of coffee. Um, uh, this is the best tool I have to uh, help alleviate homelessness um, because it brings people through our door. And once they come into, come through our door, um, whether that's to get a little caffeine before they go to work or a place to uh, find a little respite and peace and sanctuary um, or to have a card game with some friends, um, that gives us the opportunity to connect with them um, as people, uh, to say, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? What's your story? Um, what can we do for you? eventually is the question that will, you know, will come about once we have that relationship built up to the point where they respect us and they trust us, which is more important because there isn't a lot of trust and security on the streets. So um, our program has been around since 2009. Uh, it began uh, with a gentleman, Eric Manley, who was homeless, uh, and he passed away on the steps of Bethel in uh, January. Um, and he was a friend of Mark's and had no other family uh, and at that time, they gave him a funeral, and uh, then they began a support group for people who were homeless. So it started with that simple of an idea of, of being together once a week, inviting people who were homeless through the door, and saying, let's, let's connect with each other um, and support each other. Uh, under Mark's stewardship and with the help of dedicated volunteers like Bev, um, this program has grown exponentially. Uh, in 2013, with the help of the county, um, this program expanded to five days a week, and now we have a, a five-day-a-week uh, day center and support service office. Um, we offer a variety of services. Uh, we have a computer lab, um, access to telephone, a clothing and hygiene pantry that's open twice a week, 
Um, people uh, are, we also serve lunches as much as we can. We still have our support group with a meal afterwards, um, which is critical, again, for connecting with people. Um, we offer coffee service all day, uh, and then we're available, our staff and volunteers are available to help people in whatever capacity they need help with, uh, whether that be assistance with resumes, job applications, housing applications, uh, just an ear to listen to um, their, their problems. Uh, so uh, we, we're, you know, we help people the best we can, and if we feel we can't help them in the right way, we have all these wonderful people in the community that we collaborate with. Um, and many of them come down and do outreach in our in our day center at least once a week. Um, so, uh, but like I, I alluded to, our, our most critical service is offering that social support, that uh, sense of community, that place of belonging, um, a place where you're accepted and loved, uh, and um, that a place where people believe you have potential and, and good in you, um, which is so critical for people who are so alienated from, from the rest of society and whose daily existence is a reminder that they're somehow other and not worthy of, of being among the rest of us. Um, so the most important thing we do is, it sounds silly, but if someone comes through our door not feeling so good about themselves, if they leave smiling and feeling better about their place in life, about their day, um, that's so huge because that means they're going to make the right decisions in that day um, to get themselves moving forward. So uh, it's why this cup of coffee is so important for us to sit down and connect with each other and, and um, help each other as one person to another um, be the best we can be. Thanks so much. Any questions for Connor? My name is Karen Andrew. I'm the Director of Outreach Ministries for First United Methodist Street, located just across the street and down from Bethel. I don't have a question. I just have a lot of gratitude to share with Connor, who creates the relationships based on trust. Um, I can't tell you how many people I refer to Connor and Skylar and Mark and Bev and, and the team over there. I happen to be faith-based outreach services as, as our partner, Bethel. And I, I cannot thank you enough, Connor, for what you do. The job doesn't, never ends. We take it home. But we're partners. We will be here for you. We're all here for you. There are no words of gratitude to describe to the folks here all that you do, all that Bethel Homeless Services does. So just a big thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you, too. Thanks so much for the comment, and, and thanks, Connor. Um, next up, uh, let's move to Ken Smith, wherever he ran off to. Uh, Ken Smith from St. John's. My name is Ken Smith. I'm the pastor at St. John's Lutheran Church, and I've been there for 14 years. St. John's is on East Washington Avenue, two blocks from the Capitol, sort of between the Capitol and the Salvation Army, in the Cap East neighborhood. In an average week, about 750 people come through the doors of St. John's, and about 130 of those 750 are for congregational meetings and worship. The other 620 come for shelter 
or some kind of assistance with life or their finances. Each night, St. John's is the overflow shelter in the Porchlight Downtown Shelter Group, and during the day, off the Square Club, a day services center staffed by Lutheran Social Services is open for those who are mentally ill. The congregation itself last year gave $44,000 in financial assistance through our emergency relief program, and 100% of the money that is given to the emergency relief program is given to those in need. The Porchlight Digs program has its central office for the central part of Madison uh, for housing assistance now at St. John's as well. Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services houses its offices for uh, central Wisconsin in St. John's and the Backyard Women's Mosaic Project for women released from Dane County Jail is also housed at our facility. Um, there are many ways to look at St. John's. Primarily, I think we are um, sort of a macro or a micro social service agency, but we are also a vibrant, smaller urban congregation with strong programs in education and worship. We are a reconciling in Christ congregation, welcoming all regardless of their sexual orientation. And we are a member congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We've been part of the Cap East neighborhood since 1856. And by the mid-1890s, while still speaking in German, the congregation started to appoint one member of the congregation's council to provide financial assistance for those in need on the east side of Madison. The congregation's emphasis on care for the homeless, the mentally ill, and those in need is grounded now in over a century of direct and concrete assistance. And I think for most of us there, it is simply a sacred trust from God to be born with a quiet humility. Thanks so much, Ken. Any questions for Ken? Hi. Thanks again, Ken. Um, Jim? Sure. Jim O'Keefe, City of Madison. Thank you. Um, thank you all for being here tonight to... Um, hear about and, and talk about this most important issue. I, I have, um, I, I want to try to keep my remarks structured because there's um, more that I want to say than I have time to, to say. But I want to um, just start by um, using the, the very simple question, how many um, homeless people are there in, in Madison, Dane County, as an illustration of the complexity of, of this issue. Um, there are different definitions of homelessness. There are different methodologies used to um, to try to put a number to, to that population. Um, I think the one thing, though, that we can all agree on is that there are uh, many more persons who are homeless or in danger of becoming homeless um, than we are currently uh, able to address. And um, but, but I just think that's such a good illustration of, of some of the complex issues around this, this subject. So the city is part of um, an organization, the Homeless Services Consortium, Consortium that's um, made up of, of dozens of local service agencies, housing um, providers, service agencies. All of these 
folks um, around the room are part of that organization. Um, and, and we have a, a, a goal of, of wanting to develop a cohesive network within Madison and Dane County that adopts a, a systems approach um, in its response to, to dealing with the issues of homelessness. We really um, have two overarching objectives that, that uh, we want to achieve. One is to eliminate homelessness among uh, U.S. military veterans and, and put an end to chronic homelessness in, in our community. We're part of a national um, <clears throat> campaign, national effort, uh, coined zero by 2016, um, to try to achieve those goals by the end of 2016. And secondly, we want to be um, part of a, a, a coordinated system that efficiently and humanely deals with episodic incidences of, of homelessness, because I think we all understand and agree that um, we'll never be able to put an end to homelessness entirely. Um, but we want to try to eliminate chronic homelessness, long-term um, episodes or, or repeated episodes of homelessness, and then do a better job of, of dealing with those short-term um, episodes of homelessness. The city is not a service provider, but as a funder and as a partner to organizations like these, um, we do have an important role to play in, in meeting these objectives. I mentioned that the short-term goal is on uh, eliminating uh, veterans' homelessness and, and chronically um, or homelessness among uh, the chronically homeless. One of the first steps in, in achieving that is underway, and that's the development of um, a community registry of chronically homeless persons, um, talking about real people with real names and specific information about the, the challenges that they um, face, not collectively, but, but individually, whether those are uh, physical challenges or emotional or behavioral um, issues that, that prevent them from being stably housed and, and developing a single prioritized list of, of, of homeless clients um, in that way. And then ideally, service providers would uh, work from that list in determining um, who to target services to. Clearly, we need, um, in Madison and Dane County, we need more housing units. We've got one of the lowest uh, rental vacancy rates in the nation. Uh, we need resources to provide the array of support services, whether those are um, assistance with, with mental health treatment, whether they're employment uh, services, whether they're transportation services, um, a, a gamut of supports that, um, that these folks need. And as a network, I, I think we understand that we need to do a better job of, of coordinating uh, among and between housing and service providers. So again, there's room for the for city involvement in all of these. I want to touch on on two quickly um, that um, I think the city of Madison is is taking a lead uh, role on, or or um, at, at least a, a, a lead role in a partnership on. The first is um, efforts to expand the inventory of affordable housing um, in Madison. In 2015, um, the the mayor and the common council created an affordable housing fund. It represents um, a major expansion of, of city efforts to uh, add affordable housing units. It represents a $25 million investment over five years that uh, we believe will add um, at, at, at least 1,000 new units of, of affordable rental housing. Importantly, 250 of those units uh, will be specifically targeted to provide housing for uh, chronically homeless individuals and and I want to make sure that, um, that I point out that this is being done in concert and, and cooperation and coordination with 
um, Dane County. Of those permanent supportive housing units, the first project is under construction on the city's near east side on uh, Rethke Avenue. It will provide uh, by next spring 60 units of um, new rental housing for homeless um, single adults. Um, the second phase is being planned on, on the city's west side um, and it will uh, target not single adults but families and uh, will provide um, about 40, 45 um, housing units for families. Um, again, importantly, the, the distinction uh, with these permanent supportive housing units is that they provide not only housing, but they come with uh, what, we, what we talk about as wraparound services, a full range of support services um, that are designed to, to help um, make sure that the residents that occupy those units are successful in, in that housing. It, it, it isn't, um, these aren't the first steps in terms of adding affordable housing that the city has undertaken, but it does, um, this year it really does represent a, dr a dramatic um, expansion of those efforts. By the end of 2016, um, the city will have supported new projects that will add uh, over 400 units of affordable housing, and 170 of those will be permanent supportive housing, including the 60 that I mentioned um, that, that are being developed on Rethke Street. By, um, by the way, by a, a, a new player in the Madison market, Heartland Housing. Um, they've done a lot of work in Milwaukee and Chicago. Uh, we've lured them to Madison and um, are, are very um, um, in, in encouraged by their presence there and hopeful um, for a long and, and productive partnership with them. Um, I, I want to just mention the other, the other um, effort that we have been involved in, um, again, in partnership with Dane County, and that is um, on ongoing efforts, and, and they have um, dragged on for years, as you all know. Um, that is an effort to find a suitable location. We think a central location, a downtown location um, for a daytime resource center, a, a facility that will um, serve persons uh, who are homeless, provide an array of services to them during the day. Um, I, I think we are every bit as frustrated as uh, county officials and as uh, uh, the public is in um, the difficulty that uh, we've had in, in finding that location, but we're hopeful that um, uh, soon we will find a good location and, and have that facility operating. But in the meantime, um, the city is committed to providing uh, what I would characterize as interim services, such things as uh, financial support for alternative venues. You heard about Hospitality House. You've heard about uh, the work that's being done at Bethel Lutheran Church, work that's being done at the Central Library. Um, funds to provide um, support for transportation services, for storage facilities, for showers and laundry and, and so on. So um, support for those kinds of services will continue um, right up until we're able to um, meet many of those needs um, through the opening of a, a resource center. Um, I think I'll stop there and take any questions that you might. Thanks so much, Jim. Any questions for Jim? Seeing none, um, we'll turn next to Marianne Cook from Grace. I'm Marianne Cook and I'm representing Grace Episcopal Church tonight. In the Episcopal Church, the elect, elected body of, that governs the church is called the Vestry. They're meeting tonight. That's where the pastor is. So they asked me to um, fill in. 
Uh, Grace Church is the home of the homeless shelter, uh, and that's its primary contribution. The shelter's been there for 30 years after, with a couple of short sojourns down to uh, University Avenue and back during construction. My husband started there as a volunteer uh, in when it began, and uh, is fond of saying that we thought that, you know, in a couple of years, this problem would be licked. Uh, he has now gotten an award for cooking breakfast for 30 consecutive years. <laughs> so just to give you an idea of the scope of um, the issue uh, from that perspective, it has been a long time, and there's so many, this richness of service that we hear about still isn't seeming to um, address the ongoing needs, as all of you know better than I. Uh, the church also has a food pantry that's been around for about the same length of time. Uh, the drop-in shelter is a men's shelter. It is run by Porchlight. The church just offers the accommodation. Uh, the church also has um, some assistance and some people that do uh, information and referral, largely for people who come in uh, off the street or who are coming for the pantry. Uh, but fundamentally, its role is just to provide that uh, shelter. We also are engaged with others in the community. I just point out that lots of communities of faith are engaged in the support of the shelter at Grace Church and in the support of the Porchlight program. And they provide things like school supplies and backpacks. They supply the meals for 30 years there have been two meals, dinner and breakfast, every day at Grace Church, provided by someone, most of them from another faith community. And Steve Schooler says it's the only program he's got that doesn't have to be run. They just do it. And they find, if they can't do it, they find someone else to do it. And it's gone on this long, which I think is rather a remarkable contribution of the volunteer uh, segment in this community towards meeting the needs. It's not a solution, but I think there's a lot of goodwill there. They also provide um, supplies for families that are entering housing, which is a, a continuing need that some of the church communities have been involved in. If you think about it, if you've been homeless and what you own is what you could carry, and then you get housing, you need everything, absolutely everything, sheets, towels, toothbrush, soap, everything. So there are people and uh, faith communities doing that as well. So with that, I'll stop if anyone has any questions. So. Thanks so much. Any questions for Marianne? Okay. Thanks, Marianne. Uh, next, let's move to Sarah Schrader from Journey. I was expecting a smaller group, so I'm a little nervous. We'll move on. Um, so, yes, I'm Sarah Schrader. I'm a clinical team leader at Journey Mental Health Center, and it's nice for me to see the people that we work with so often. Um, Journey is a private nonprofit. It used to be uh, called the Mental Health Center of Dane County, and our name changed. We aren't a part of the county. We do get a lot of funding from the county, and that can be confusing for people. So Journey provides mental health and substance abuse services for lots of people, kids, adults, families, some of whom are homeless. We are an outpatient provider, so we provide outpatient services um, to people 
like I said, some of whom may be homeless. Some of our services help people stay in their homes or help people maintain or achieve stability so they can get housing and keep housing. Um, the, I supervise the intake unit and a couple of short-term case management programs, and quite a few of the folks we see are homeless or in between housing. It always surprises me how quickly we can get people into housing and also how many people need housing. So sometimes it's, it's tough to see people really struggling and then all of a sudden one day they get a bed somewhere and that's great. And it's great to see them continue and do well and have the life they wanna have. Um, so at Journey with our adult population, we use a screening tool to really match people up with the mental health and substance use services they need. Sometimes people come in and they say, oh, I, I need to get back on my meds. And as we talk to them, we realize, you know, they're homeless and they haven't seen a doctor in five years and they have all these other needs. We want to help connect them to getting those needs met. So we're not just giving them meds and not addressing the other things in their life or not just referring them to a place to live and not addressing the mental health and substance use needs. Um, we have contracts with some insurance companies. We have contracts with the county and different people. We're always trying to find new ways to get people in. So if there are people who have mental health and substance abuse concerns, I always encourage them to come by, come to intake, and we'll help figure out the program that best meets their needs. Um, a lot of what we do, sometimes people show up. I had one guy once who was so excited to come in, and I was like, what do you need? And he wanted lunch. And I did too, but it was kind of, that's, that's not what we do. So it's, it's really kind of a balance of sometimes people think we're turning them away, and really we want to get them to what they need. We don't have our own stock of housing that we can refer people to out back. Sometimes I think they do, or we don't have secret slots with these other providers. So it's really a lot of us working together, supporting people in making those connections that if, you, if you're interested in housing, we'll help you fill out those applications. We'll help you get to those appointments. We'll help you, you know, fill out the documentation you need that you are in mental health services or you have a mental health diagnosis. It's kind of figuring out what we can do for people. Um, Journey also has a crisis unit for people who are having a mental health emergency, which really means uh, thoughts of self-harm or harm to others. We also have some crisis stabilization, and we're trying to beef those services up to help the folks who are homeless and who are really struggling right now. I think that's it. Sarah, any questions for Sarah? No? Uh, thanks again. Oh, my oh, hand. I feel like I'm monopolizing the mic. What's what's the average wait period for someone who has not been um, engaged in Dane County in mental health um, or who's in need of mental health care services? What's what's the average wait time? It really depends on what the person needs. We have a new program that we're getting up and running for people with certain insurance and certain needs, and we'll see them that same day. We do try to get everybody in the same day. We've also tried very hard to eliminate our waiting lists where we'll get people at least scheduled for an appointment. It may be a month or two out, and we offer them services to kind of supplement that, whether it's group therapy, crisis stabilization, you know, trying to get them in with a psychiatrist if that's what they really need to get stable. I wish we had, like, a, a firm and hard number because I know 
those are nice. <laughs> is, is, is there triage based on insurance status or insured versus uninsured, or is it totally on their clinical presentation? Clinical presentation, if we can take their insurance or uninsured. We do see folks who are uninsured. If people have, like, let's say, Badger Care with Dean, they would go to Dean, so we wouldn't see them. So we do try to triage them based on their clinical need and get them hooked up with what they need. Okay, thanks. Okay, uh, any other questions for Sarah? If not, thanks, Sarah. And um, next up, Dean, Dean Loomis from Housing Initiatives. Dean. Well, good evening, everybody. I was a, a late addition to this group, so thank you for, for letting me come and, and talk a little bit. I'm the Executive Director of Housing Initiatives. Uh, housing Initiatives put our first person in housing in 1995, and I started shortly after. The brochure I left back there is the one with all the doors in front. That explains what we do really well. So really, I really like that brochure. It's the first one we ever did that uh, I think captures everything of what we do. So I'm going to kind of condense what I say today, uh, tonight, so that perhaps we can uh, engage in a little bit more of a conversation. Housing Initiatives was set up to do one thing, house people that suffer with a mental illness permanently and became homeless because of it because of being mentally ill. So that's what we do. That's the only thing we do. And we do it four ways primarily. What we've been able to work, uh, the strategy that we've been able to implement has worked really well. What uh, uh, the first part of it is, is that we deal with the person in front of us with the respect and dignity that we all deserve. It's urgent and critical that we understand the story, what happened, to, so that we're able to develop that relationship to help that person transition from a long period of homelessness sometimes to permanent housing. That dynamic of change is bizarre, sometimes at, uh, at worst, and uh, puzzling at best. Uh, transitioning out of homelessness into permanent housing creates all kinds of unusual struggles that you would not believe. Uh, the second thing, so that developing that relationship, that real relationship, not the one that people say you should always have, uh, but that real relationship of partnering with that person to understand where they're what happened to them and how to get over that helps us keep our folks in housing at 95% of the rate uh, we keep them there. It's a, it's a pretty high total. Uh, we go through a lot of... Uh, a lot of work to help our folks stay in housing once we get them there. Uh, second thing we do is that uh, what you've seen up here is just a glimpse of the partnerships and the continuum of services that homeless groups provide. Uh, what I do is I'm at the end of it. I provide permanent housing to the absolute most vulnerable group of homeless folks, that person with a, that's suffering with a mental illness. Now, part of what you've heard here today from some outreach, the shelter, the transition to permanent housing, which is what we do, uh, helps us. Work and we coordinate all these services, and it helps us all become successful. It's the reason why uh, we can keep 95% of everybody we house in housing is not because I'm so cool and all my staff know what they're doing. It's because of we. our second part of what we do is partner with every service provider that's sitting up here and about 10 more including the most recent one, the uh, local 
police force mental health team. That's going to be a valuable addition to all of our work here. Uh, that's the second thing we do. We partner with everybody. Everyone that lives in our housing is connected to some type of community service provider, uh, dependent on their level of need. What we see at some point is that that level of need shrinks. So that saves us all a whole lot of time and so that these folks that we're working with them can go on and, and pick up some of the folks that that my our friend here was talking about who don't get services serviced as quickly as they should permanent housing helps solve that problem the third thing we do and and this is a little bit different than what Jim and uh, some of Portslide stuff is and the new Heartland property is that we provide our housing in in housing that people would more prefer to live in if you have a mental illness and you used to be successful at something you'd prefer to live in a neighborhood centered small unit uh, our, our properties are, uh, there's a map on that in our brochure back there. They're spread out. They look all like a school district. Houses are all over the place. We have uh, uh, duplexes, triplexes, about 24 plexes. Uh, we run uh, and manage the, uh, a foreclosed uh, condominium complex at the end of Allied Drive. We have other condominiums on the far east side in Stonebridge. So having this neighborhood-centered approach what happens is that our folks assimilate to the norm of that neighborhood, and they go back to the way that a lot of people used to live. I have, uh, when people get mentally ill, and everybody in this room knows somebody who has a mental illness, and many of us have people that have mental illnesses in our families. We know how insidious and devious this illness can be to people and what it can do to someone who, has, as in my program, the, the uh, four people that have master's degrees, the numerous people that have extensive work histories and how debilitating that illness was and took everything away from them and got homeless. Uh, that scattered site, neighborhood-centered model has helped us, again, help us, it helps us retain folks once we get them there. Uh, so that is the, the approach we take. It's been very successful. Uh, we are in the process of expanding our number of units. Uh, by this time next year, we'll have 30 more. Uh, people that were homeless and uh, with that mental illness living in permanent housing. Now, what uh, I would like to also kind of give you a little bit more of an overview is that uh, homeless service providers are required to coordinate all our services in order for us to get funded from uh, primarily HUD. Our program receives only money from HUD. Uh, we, over the years for operations, we have had zero funding from the city or county. We generate our own income by the rent that we collect. All of our rents are subsidized. Uh, we house uh, every, and our folks pay 30% of their income, and some folks don't have any income yet. So 30% of zero is what it is. Uh, so the subsidy can make up for that. We'll generate our income off of that, and that way uh, serve our, our city and county and your property taxes don't really help us at all. Now, that, I'd like to see that change a little bit, but anyway, we, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it going. Uh, the other thing about these coordinated services is uh, just this year we started a coordinated intake system that uh, Community Action actually runs it. But what happens there is that uh, in these point of time, uh, two days where we go out and identify people, uh, the easy one was in July, the hard one's in January, and if you really want to help, you can come out on January at, some, at 10 o'clock at night and 
try to go find folks. That's a hard one. Uh, but what happens is that we find folks, and then we intake them. They get this whole intake system, and we get all their data, all the information. Now, along with that, you get a vulnerability index. So we've got to find out how severe is the need here. So what Housing Initiatives now is charged to do is house the absolute most chronic and vulnerable individuals that live in our city. And they get a ranking. They actually get a ranking. And, and in every week, a committee of all the service providers sit together, and we start looking at these folks, and we start, okay, he's next. This one's person next. This one's next. This family's next. So everybody gets, uh, gets this thing attached to them, uh, depending on their uh, vulnerability. Uh, last month, a homeless veteran, 82 years old, diabetes, open sores, with a walking around in a boot, living in his car uh, in Walmart parking lot. Uh, we housed him uh, the next day. He popped right up there as number one on the vulnerability index. And he's an 82 years old veteran. Uh, that's the other thing that uh, Jim mentioned that uh, there's a national priority to end ho veteran homelessness. We've counted about 125 in Madison. Uh, by uh, we house right now, housing initiatives runs 45 uh, houses 45, including 10 Hmong vets. Uh, a lot of people see Hmong people and wonder, well, what happened here? Well, they worked for us. They did dirty work for us in Laos and Vietnam and, and those years, and now those folks are here. Uh, and they're veterans, but they're not quite counted as veterans. But uh, you, uh, you can talk to uh, the captain. Uh, I thought he was a colonel, but I made a mistake earlier at something. But he, the captain who lost two brothers and saved a lot of our veterans' lives, uh, why he considers himself a veteran, and I do too. Uh, so these services are coordinated. What Housing Initiatives does and what we will be doing uh, now going forward is housing only the most absolute vulnerable, the most chronically, housed, uh, chronically homeless individuals. Um, I think I can leave it at that. Thanks so much, Dean. Um, any questions for Dean? Seeing none, thank you again. And last but not least, Casey Becker with Dane County. Um. Good evening, everybody. My name is Casey Becker. I'm the Homeless Services Manager for the Dane County Department of Human Services. Can everybody hear me okay? Okay. A little louder? Okay. Uh, you've gotten a pretty good idea tonight of the, the depth and the breadth of homeless services, housing services that are available in Dane County. Um, and you probably have heard the county's name kind of popping up here and there. Uh, one of the core missions of our department is to provide basic human safety. And you see that reflected in a lot of the services that have been talked about tonight. Um, the county spends about $1.8 million on housing and homeless services. That doesn't include um, the mental health services that the county helps fund, um, treatment services for alcohol and other drug addiction that the county helps fund. That, um, that help people who may also um, be homeless or may help people maintain housing. Um, the services that we fund are primarily shelter because of that, that core mission that we have to, 
to provide for basic human safety. Um, the shelters that were mentioned by Salvation Army, Porchlight, um, we also partner with the Road Home, Community Action Coalition, uh, Tenant Resource Center, many other providers who um, have spoken tonight and have mentioned um, some of their programs and who um, who are um, are not here tonight or not represented tonight. And those dollars are primarily um, operating dollars or levy dollars, different than you know, capital borrowing. And those dollars are also um, very precious and scarce. Um, those are funds that the county spends because it believes that it's the right thing to do. The county executive, county board, the citizens of Dane County believe that housing and homeless services are uh, an important priority. And that's why we fund those services with county uh, levy money. An exciting change um, in the last couple of years has been the county's involvement in um, increasing affordable housing um, through capital investments. You heard a little bit about that from uh, previous speakers. Uh, Jim Oki from the city mentioned um, a couple of developments that the city and the county are partnering on that the county is helping to fund with, with some capital dollars. Uh, a new fund, a new resource that was um, included in the county budget in 2015 was the Dane County Affordable Housing Fund. And that is uh, $2 million for the next four years, each year for the next four years, so $8 million total, to help increase the number of, of affordable housing units in the county. Now, that can be housing for um, individuals who are homeless, like the rescue development you heard about and the development for families on the far west side. But it could also be used to develop uh, workforce housing, which we all know is a critical need in our community as well. Um, and those kinds of capital investments have, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's exciting new direction for the county to be going in, and one that bolsters uh, the county's commitment to providing housing and providing safety for some of the most vulnerable people among us. Um, there's also about a 2.6 million dollar capital investment right now in finding a suitable location for a day resource center, which you also heard a little bit about tonight. Um, Day Resource Center is also a major priority for the county, working in partnership with the city, with the United Way, and um, with advocates, elected officials, members of the public who feel that that is an important piece of the puzzle in delivering housing and homeless services. Ideally, a Day Resource Center would be that central entry point for people who uh, need resources and, and don't have a place to go, who can get connected to housing, emergency assistance, uh, medical care, legal care, um, many other services that providers can make available to them, but also a place where people can have some of their basic needs met, um, a place to store their belongings, a place to take a shower, um, a place to uh, rest during the day if they need to rest, um, and a place to do laundry if they need to do laundry and don't have access to any of those things through the shelter system. Um, so another thing I want to mention too, and a role that the county plays and a role that we all play is being a collaborative partner in, try, in supporting solutions and supporting things that, that help individuals who are homeless or people who are um, 
who are near homelessness or or, or about to lose their housing. Um, you met, you heard the Zero 2016 effort mentioned. You heard uh, the Homeless Services Consortium mentioned. These are all very uh, important community partnerships and reflection of um, the entire community coming together to try to help people and to try to provide resources for people who are in need. And the county is very proud to be a part of those efforts as well and to be a partner, not just as a funder, but a partner in those broader community conversations as well. So I will wrap it up there unless my county partners feel like I missed anything. Okay. Again, thank you all for coming tonight and for participating in this forum. Uh, such an important conversation. And thank you to all of our providers and elected officials for being here as well. Um, I think it's a, it's a, I really enjoyed the opportunity to be able to tell you a little bit more about what we do. Thanks a lot, Casey. Any questions for Casey? Casey, can you, can you speak a little bit to those other service providers you mentioned that aren't here tonight, what they do, who they are and what they do? Sure. Um, boy, if I forget somebody now, um, hopefully they won't take it personally. Um, the county helps fund uh, shelter for families through the road home. Some of you may be familiar with the road home or maybe have volunteered for the road home before. It's a uh, temporary shelter for families. I think it's up to 14 individuals. And it's an uh, interfaith partnership. Families are housed by congregations all across the county. And um, they have a significant amount of um, services they provide through volunteers for meals um, and, and so forth. They also provide case management for those families. Um, we also help fund family shelter through the YWCA um, downtown here on the square um, and also through their second chance housing program in the Stoughton area. That program is, um, provides rent assistance and case management for uh, up to six families in the Stoughton area. And that's a, um, a, I don't want to say it's, it's not the same as what Dean was talking about, but kind of a similar model where you build relationships with landlords who are willing to um, partner with a provider to um, provide housing for a family who's homeless. And then YWCA contracts with the Road Home to provide case management to help stabilize those families and, um, and um, give them the support that they need. And then they also provide rent assistance as well for those families so that they can, um, once they're housed, once the pressure and the stress and the trauma of, of not having a home is lifted so that they're able to work on finding employment, finding permanent housing, um, connecting with their children, stabilizing their kids in education, whatever those challenges may be that that family needs to work through. Um, I mentioned briefly the Community Action Coalition. We currently contract with them to provide case management services across the county, um, partnering with our Joining Forces for Families program, which I neglected to mention, but I should have mentioned. Um, there is more than a dozen offices across the county where Joining Forces for Families works out of. Community Action Coalition provides housing case management services in those offices, and JFF provides services to help families that are in need and, and help stabilize those families as well. Um, boy, what else? 
Tolerian. Yes, not in my, not necessarily in my division, but um, Tolerian THP is another program that the department supports. Um, Mary Grabo is the manager for that contract, but that's a another um, mental health-based housing program for individuals who are in need. Um, we also contract with Community Action Coalition to provide uh, food distribution through food pantries. Um, and we contract with Community Action Coalition to help provide um, food share at farmers markets for people who are food share recipients. That's another partnership with the city. Um, we also fund immigration services through Jewish social services. Um, I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anybody. Briar Patch. Um, we have some funding set aside for Briar Patch's new youth shelter. Um, I, it's not open yet, but that'll provide needed shelter for homeless youth. And we have contract with the Tenant Resource Center currently as well to operate the housing help desk at the Dane County Job Center. They do information resource and referral. They maintain a housing list. And it's open to anybody who, who is in need of housing. Um, and they also administer an eviction prevention program as well to provide um, up to $50 of assistance for people who need a security deposit or may need to cure some back rent so that they can maintain their housing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and we also, <laughs> cut me off if you need to cut me off. We also provide support for domestic abuse intervention services, um, emergency hotel vouchers for, um, for that provider when their facility is full or um, maybe if they have clients that, that would be more comfortable in a hotel versus in their, their new facility that they have just opened. Oh, sure. I had touched, I mentioned briefly the Homeless Service Consortium earlier as, as one of the partnerships that the county is, is proud to participate in. Um, you heard uh, a couple of people mention it too in their presentations, but the consortium and Karen Andrew, the chair of the membership group, is, was here, is here. Do you want to talk a little bit about, sure. Okay. We're going to finish up on something. Okay. Um, Karen Androff, uh, Director of Outreach Ministries for First United Methodist Church, downtown Madison. We're one of the service providers. Uh, we serve as overflow shelter for Porchlight, for the men's shelter. We operate a food pantry. We operate several different meal programs throughout the week and uh, months and years. Um, I, I do serve as chair of the Homeless Services Consortium, and I do have the directory here. It's 20 pages. I didn't see it in the back, but um, rather than wasting paper, which I'm all in favor of because not everybody needs to, to have that printed out in full, we have a website, www.danecountyhomeless.org, and it's just a great resource. If you know anybody who's homeless, hopefully you can plug people into the people up here who provide wonderful services, but it is kind of a nice way to peruse in your the town you live in, all of the resources here, and I can't, cannot speak highly enough for the folks who are up here and then all the volunteers who support what we do. So um, thank you. On that website, you'll see that there are dozens and dozens of agencies who are represented in the Homeless Service Consortium, and there's a little bit of information on each one on that website. 
um, to give you even a broader picture of some of the services that are available and the good work that people are doing. Aaron and other questions for Casey here and here. If you want to come up to the mic. Hi. I'm just wondering if there are any programs specifically for homeless children in the schools. Yes, actually, there's the um, – I the thank you. Yeah, do you want to speak to TEP? Okay, yeah, please feel free. I, I'm on the school board as, as well as uh, there are uh, almost 5% of all of our students are homeless. That's uh, 1,000. 884. Uh, that was last year. Uh, and uh, uh, what uh, there are federal le uh, legislation that uh, mandates services for uh, for all those students, and it's uh, it's intensive. Uh, an example of uh, I can give you is that uh, the law states that the last school that uh, the child attended no matter where they live around the city, they have to be transported to that school so that the, continue, uh, the, the continuity of their uh, teachers, their classes can continue. So there are uh, three permanent staff assigned to case manage all those students. And then there's every school has uh, uh, a group, uh, staff set aside to deal primarily with these students depending on how many. Now, there are certain schools have more than others. Uh, so it's a, it's a complicated program, and it's a complicated problem. Uh, but schools, and, and we do a pretty good job, but that the logistics of just transporting them costs us half a million dollars a year in transportation costs just to get kids to where the school that they're supposed to be. Uh, what... Uh, What's really good about the county uh, new funding uh, for the, the, trust, the housing trust fund that they've created is that, that that family housing that will be created will help. So it's uh, and that's a, the, one of the best examples of how uh, housing policy will inform education policy by reducing the number of homeless students that, that we have to deal with at school. By providing more, a, a higher quantity of affordable family housing that's permanent uh, will actually impact the, the education of a lot of our most struggling students. So it's a, uh, it's a combination. And again, uh, the school district is a part of this homeless consortium. There are over 40 organizations that sit together every month, first Tuesday of the month at noon, and discuss all these things. So, it, again, it's another example of how we're coordinated with every, every service provider, the housing providers, the, the counselors, the, the, the road home counselors work with our school counselors, the YWCA counselors do the same thing with these students. So it is, it is coordinated, and, and, and I'm telling you, this is hard stuff. This is really hard to do, and we're fortunate that I – know the, the staff that work in the school district, they're really high-quality people that can do this stuff. It's, it's not everybody that can do this kind of work. You've got to have a, a certain way of, of working with folks. So it, uh, it's, it's, it's really uh, difficult, but I hope that answered a little bit.
Okay, thanks a lot, Dean. Another question here. Uh, Casey, you, you mentioned the plans for the new uh, day shelter. Mm -hmm. I remember visiting the shelter that was on East Washington in the 800 block a couple of years ago, and I heard a lot of great things about the work that they were doing, and it seems it's been at least a year that we've been without one. And I was wondering if you could speak more to um, when you expect to open a new one and how far from downtown it's likely to be. Uh, well, you're correct. It's taken um, it's it's taken some time for the county to find a permanent location for a day resource center. Um, there were uh, one location that was pursued in the town of Madison, which some of you may be aware of, uh, which is the current um, hospitality house uh, location, uh, has uh, hit roadblocks um, to to becoming a permanent site. So the county is working with the city to uh, try to find an alternate location that would be suitable for the types of services that we want to provide. Um, so in terms of timeline, I can't put a specific date on it. Um, I wish that I could, uh, but it has been a, a longer process. And Jim had said a longer process than I think you know a lot of people um, had anticipated. Um, but the county still is committed to finding that location. The County Board of Supervisors recently approved a, an additional capital investment. Um, now it's up to $2.6 million that's available to try to find a location, which has opened up um, the potential for more possibilities. And included in that resolution is a dedication to find a site that is located downtown. That's something that would be easy to access. Um, Right now, uh, there are contingency services that are in place, but they are um, in many different locations. Some locations are a little harder for folks to get to than others. Um, those services are available, but the goal and the ideal is to have all of those services under one roof, centrally located, downtown, um, so people are able to easily access them and, and to get the help that they need. Is there anything that citizens can do to expedite that or help it happen sooner? Sure. Um, I guess I would say if you see properties that are available, um, uh, let us know. Um, our, the real estate department in the city and the real estate department in the county is always open to, to looking at, at new possibilities. Um, sorry, perhaps I shouldn't have spoken for the city, but um, but we are partners on this. We are looking together and um, and um, mostly because I don't want to create extra work for you guys. But um, if so, that's an opportunity. Um, and uh, another way you can participate in the process is by uh, talking about um, uh, what um, you know, what some of your ideas may be for for those services. And we do have a city county homeless issues committee that meets once a month. Um, and that's another good forum to bring ideas forward or to bring some of those suggestions forward. So, Thanks. yeah, and I would say come find me afterwards and we can exchange contact information. And Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. Um, well, Casey's very diplomatic and his staff, and so I can sort of speak my mind as a county supervisor, and I think what you can do to help is help us pressure 
our elected leaders um, to make this a, a number one priority. And I'm not saying that staff is not working hard. They are. But we have a county executive and a mayor and county board and city council leadership that, you know, we might need more money, okay? Um, we don't know, you know, it's hard to find a great big open space downtown um, to operate a day center. So we're looking at properties that might not be ideally um, functional for a day center. That might mean more people. That might mean more staff necessary to make it work or creative ideas. It might mean more um, structural, you know, renovations. So um, resources in the 2016 budget and a priority to get this done, um, you know, needs Need that we need that, and and so I would say they need to hear from you that you care about this, if you care about this, and that you want to help with this. Okay, thanks, Heidi, and um, with that, thank you, Casey, so much. No. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Do you have a comment, Marty? Yeah. Oh, okay. The Here, comment is this was go, a Marty. terrible meeting. The reason was we get to the meeting, we can't hear anybody in the background talking except for the school board member. He spoke up loud so we could hear him. And I would also suggest you don't keep on repeating and repeating and repeating the same thing. Okay, thanks, Marty. Well, I appreciate your comment. You're trying to get rid of me because I'm causing trouble. <laughs> and uh, it, it's just not a way to run a meeting. People are restless. They probably need a bathroom break. I thought the program would last two hours or so, but it's going to run way over. I tell you what, we're going to wrap up shortly, Marty. <laughs> um, Is there any way I could add on? And I'm, and I just... Yes. The, only, the only reason I wanted to add something on is, um, okay, I'm going to speak a little louder, and I'm, I'm not monopolizing. I'm just responding to some of the comments and questions. I was um, remiss in adding a gratitude to our grassroots organizations who serve. Uh, they, were, they have full-time jobs. They're teachers and nurses and doctors and, and janitors, and uh, they're friends of the State Street family, Medicine Helping Hands, Stone Soup Squad. They helped me find blankets last night for many homeless kids who slept out um, on the cement right outside of our church. So um, as Karen mentioned, they only have so much space, and we talked first thing this morning. Thank you, Karen. Uh, we work together. We work as a team. So even when space is full, um, a lot of us work beyond those hours. And I think it is important that people know that 40 homeless children are turned away from the shelter most nights. And um, some of us are working real hard, more so the, those groups I named, Tammy Miller and others who serve on those grassroots organizations who are getting the blankets. Jeannie, I saw earlier, Jeannie spent, I'm thinking, three hours after my back and forth with her last night finding the blanket for the seven-month-year-old in the, 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 that slept out on our cement. So I just wanted to make it crystal clear that if we had more housing, we wouldn't need as many service providers to find blankets and pillows and uh, food and uh, all, sleeping bags and all of that stuff because they'd be in a home or apartment 
or condo. So um, thank you for all the folks who are talking about the permanent, permanent supportive housing. Okay, thanks so much, Karen. Um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to uh, recognize the five others who are up on our panel here tonight who are really, really fortunate to have as our uh, downtown representatives on my left, um, Mike Verveer, city council member. Uh, thank you, Mike. Um, and then to my right, uh, Marsha Rummel and Liddell Zellers, uh, also on the city council, Mary Kolarin and Heidi Wegleitner on the county board. And uh, like I said, we're just really fortunate to have these five as our, our downtown representatives who really care a lot about these, these issues. So thank you for being here tonight. And um, we were a bit short on time. We were going to have a bit more Q&A, but um, I think we'll need to, to wrap up. But I hope the folks up here will stick around for a while and answer any additional questions that you might have. Um, but. Thank you, everyone, for coming tonight, and please join me in, well, in uh, thanking the, the panel here.